<laughs> um, I'm trying to think of any way to make that. Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, but we're talking about Jesus tonight. Literally, that is our actual topic for the night. We are literally talking about Jesus. What is it? We always do that. I mean, yeah, more or less. But tonight, like Jesus is like the point. Like literally all four points start with Jesus. So in the last two weeks, who can tell me what we've been doing? What have we been doing over the last couple of weeks? What not to do? Uh, not quite. We've been talking about something that starts with a G. It might be on your handout. Yeah. We no. The gospel. We have been going through a series on the gospel. As Christians, it's really important that all of us know what the gospel is. And tonight, we're actually going to be talking about the most important thing in the gospel. Like it's the gospel of the gospel. We're going to be talking about Jesus Christ. But before we talk about Jesus Christ, I want to ask you guys a question. Have you ever met two people that have the same name? Yes. Right? John and John. I know, yeah. So my name is literally John, like not even a joke. I'm sure that's a shock for most of you. But my name is literally John. And so I run into people with the same name as me like all the time. Back at Starbucks, whenever I had a customer named John, which was frequently, I'd be like, man, that's a pretty cool name you got there. And he'd be like looking at my name tag because the only people that compliment the name John are other people named John. This happened a lot. It happened a lot. Miles can attest to that. But if you're in a situation with two people that have the same name, could you ever be in a spot where like you refer to one of them, but the other one thinks you're talking about them? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it would be like if one of you were talking about, like, your cousin John who got married last week, and you'd be like, yeah, John got married last week, and then maybe Alex walks up to me, and he's like, John, I thought you were single, and I'd be like, I am single. But you know how that can be kind of confusing? Like, even though you're using the right name, you're talking about the wrong person. Does that make sense? Here's another example, and this one I kind of prefer. We all know Alex, right? Alex is sitting right there. What if I walked in here, and I was like, oh, yeah, I know Alex. He's a nine-foot-tall purple dragon that breathes fire and has a pickle addiction. Right? Would you think that I were talking about the same Alex? Like, am I talking about the right Alex? No. I'm not talking about the right Alex, right? But what if I'm like, no, no, yeah, his name is Alex Sobrito. We're talking about the same Alex, right? And you're like, yeah, I'm definitely not talking about a nine-foot-tall purple dinosaur that breathes fire and has a bit too many pickles. Like... Did I say, what did I say the second time? Dinosaur? Dinosaur. Dinosaur, whatever. But we're obviously not talking about the same thing, right? Well, here's the thing. When you talk to people and they talk about how they believe in Jesus, a whole lot of times it's the exact same thing. Where they use the right word, but then when they talk about Jesus, they're saying, oh yeah, he's like a nine foot tall purple dragon that breathes fire and is addicted to the pickles. Or you meet people who say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but when you talk to them, it's like really, really obvious that they're not a Christian. And that's an extremely common thing. And one of the things that you need to be aware of is that not everyone who says, I'm a Christian, is actually a Christian. And tonight, part of what we're going to be talking about is a list of four things that if someone doesn't believe these things, you can actually be 100% sure that they are not a Christian. So, like, a lot of the things in the gospel series, they're things that if a person doesn't believe in them, you can be, like, 99% sure that they're not a Christian. Like, if a person doesn't believe that everyone's a sinner, they're not a Christian. If a person doesn't believe that sin causes you to die, they're not a Christian. If a person doesn't believe in hell, they're not a Christian. But it's, like, potentially possible that, like, maybe they're a new convert and they haven't learned about that stuff. Like, maybe it's possible. 
But the stuff that we're about to talk about tonight, there is a 0% chance that anyone who doesn't believe these things is a Christian. So if you don't believe these things, you're not a Christian. But also, just because you believe these things doesn't necessarily mean you are a Christian. Like, there's other things that go in addition to it. But if you don't believe these things, you're not a Christian. So we're going to learn, like, what is, like, the bare minimum for a person to be a Christian? Or in other words, when you're sharing the gospel with someone, what do you need to make sure you include? Is another way to think about it. And that's why we're talking about it in the gospel series. But I'm going to stop front-loading it. We're going to talk about Jesus. And the first thing that you need to know about Jesus, the first important thing about Jesus, if you're a Christian, the thing that if someone does not believe this thing, they are not a Christian, is that Jesus is God. Okay, cool. Is that Jesus is God. And the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus is God. Like, this is something that you can see in John chapter 1, John chapter 17, Colossians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 2, the book of Hebrews, the book of Revelation. Like, I could go on. The Bible is extremely clear that Jesus is God. And you'll have people that say they're Christians, that say they believe in Jesus, and they're like, oh yeah, Jesus isn't God. And it's like, goodness gracious, what Bible are you reading? But Jesus is God. And that's the first thing that you need to know about Jesus. It's the exact same thing as if I were to say, oh yeah, I know Alex, he's a lizard. It's like, I don't even know what Alex is. I'm going to say that I know Alex. But if you're going to say that Jesus isn't God, you don't even know what Jesus is. And you're going to tell me that you have a personal relationship with him? No. And so I want to show you some verses that talk about Jesus being God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Like when we talk about a Trinity, the fact that you can have two separate people that are God. Because this requires two separate people that are God. It says the word, and that's talking about Jesus. And that's really clear if you read the rest of the chapter. And the word was with God, and the word was God. So Jesus is God. This isn't referring to the Father. This is referring to Jesus. Further along in the chapter, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And this is kind of where you see like, okay, yeah, obviously talking about Jesus, obviously calling Jesus God. And there are people that will mistranslate that and they'll be like, well, there's no way to get around that. So they'll translate it, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was a God. Good old Jehovah's Witnesses. But that's wrong. And the thing is, the Bible doesn't just say that Jesus is God in one place. It says that Jesus is God in a whole lot of places. So we're going to talk about some of those too. Like that's why I brought up John chapter 1, John chapter 17, Colossians 1, Philippians 2. Philippians talks about how Jesus Christ did not count equality with God a thing to be stolen. That he didn't think that he was taking it when he claimed it. Elsewhere, you have Thomas saying, my Savior and my God. And then Jesus doesn't correct him. Which is something that every single Christian, every single faithful person, when anyone tries to call them God or worship them, they immediately correct them. Because they didn't want to end up like Herod and get eaten alive by worms. What? Acts chapter 11, baby. So... Um, but Jesus being God is crucial. That is the most foundational thing that you need to know about Jesus. But the other thing is that Jesus is also a man. Elsewhere, it says that there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. And in the modern day, no one really has an issue with Jesus being a man. Everyone has an issue with Jesus being God. And that's the reason that I only have God up there. But Jesus is God. If you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. But why does it matter? Why is it important that Jesus is God? Well, last week, 
we talked about hell. We talked about how everyone deserves hell. Everyone has like a debt that they have to pay. And if Jesus isn't God, he can't pay your debt. Because in 1 Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God and put to death in the... And uh, I'm going to put it up there for you. And being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Like the reason that it's important that Jesus is God is because Jesus is paying for your sins. Isaiah 53.5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Like Jesus is the gospel because Jesus is paying for your hell from you. Like let's imagine for a moment. Let's say that I had a cup, like a coffee cup full of water. If I wanted to take that water and pour it into another coffee cup full of water, and they're the same size, can I pour it from one cup into the other? Am I able to do that? Yes, right? Yeah, they're the same size. They hold the same amount of water. You can pour it from one into the other, right? But let's change that a little bit. Let's say that I have like a one-gallon jug full of water. Can I fit all of the water in that one-gallon jug into a small little coffee cup? Okay, well, how about it? what if it's 15 gallons? And you're like, John, that actually makes it a bit easier. Okay, fine. Let me, let me throw a curveball at you. What if it was like the size of a building and I was trying to fit like a building full of water into a little coffee cup? Am I going to be able to get that to fit? Well, here's the thing. We are the coffee cups and the building full of water is God's wrath. The building full of water is all of the stuff that all of humanity deserves that Jesus had to pay for. If Jesus isn't God, he's also a small little coffee cup which means he can't pay for all of the building full of water that all of us deserve. Does that make sense? If Jesus isn't God, he can't pay for your sin because he's not big enough. But we're going to move on because we've got more stuff to hit. Because the other thing that you need to know about Jesus also relates to his ability to pay for your sins. And that is that Jesus is perfect. Because why do we have to pay for sin? Why do, like, why do I owe something for sin? It's because I sinned right? If I hadn't sinned, I wouldn't owe anything. But let's just imagine for a moment that you walk into a candy shop and you know what? Let's say that you get my all-time favorite candy, black licorice. That's a total joke. Black licorice is terrible. Taylor, what's an actually good candy? Twix. Let's say that I walk into a candy shop. What is it? You got a different one? Reese's? I'm going with Twix. So let's say that I walk into a candy shop (laughs) and I'm getting my favorite candy bar, a Twix bar. And I walk in and I've got $1 in my pocket. And so I go, I buy my Twix bar and I pay my $1 for my Twix bar. That's what I owed to get the Twix bar, right? Well, let's say that my friend walks in and he also wants a Twix bar. I'm like, home slice, I got you. Grab that Twix bar, bring it on the cash register. And then he goes to the cash register and the cash guy is like, okay, that's going to be a dollar. And I'm like, I only had the one, though. Can I pay for his Twix bar? No, because I'm too busy paying for my own. And the issue is, if Jesus isn't perfect, then he can't pay for your sin because he's going to be too busy paying for his own. The only reason that Jesus can pay for your sin is because Jesus was perfect. He didn't have any sin of his own to pay for. And that's really important. If you don't believe that Jesus is perfect, uh, again, you're ignoring something the Bible very clearly teaches. Because, for example, Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Or let's talk about Luke 23, 39 through 41, someone who just became a Christian at the end of their life. It's when Jesus was being crucified, one of the criminals who were hanged rallied against him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due rewards of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus died and Jesus suffered despite not deserving it. Because if Jesus deserved it, you still have a whole lot of hell to pay for. But if Jesus didn't have anything of his own to pay for, then he who knew no sin becomes sin on our behalf so that we might have the righteousness of God. Jesus's life is what you get credit for. And so God looks at you and he sees you as perfect because Jesus was perfect. But if Jesus was a sinner just like you, you have no hope. So Jesus was perfect, but also we've talked about the prerequisites. The prerequisite is that Jesus is God. The prerequisite is that Jesus is perfect, but let's talk about what he is in salvation because Jesus is also enough. And when we talk about Jesus being enough, I'm saying that there is nothing that you contribute to your salvation. There are people who think that they have to work to earn their salvation. There are people who think that Jesus' sacrifice didn't cover all of it. If you believe that, you are not a Christian. It doesn't matter if you say you're a Christian. It doesn't matter if you say that you believe in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you say. If you think that you're earning your salvation, you are not a Christian. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so when we talk about Jesus being enough, we're saying that there's nothing that you need to contribute. There's nothing you can contribute. Isaiah says that your works are filthy rags, that the very best that you have to offer isn't good enough. But it's not just that there's nothing you can contribute. It's also that Jesus was enough. Hebrews 10, 12, through, uh, 14, 12 and 14 says that when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. There are people who trust in things other than Jesus, in addition to Jesus, not just their own works, but like Catholics believe that it's like the work of Jesus and the death of Jesus, but also the good works of the saints and also the good works that I do. And it's like, congratulations, you're not a Christian. Because if you're relying on anything else, you're not a Christian. Jesus was enough. So I'm going to give you another example. I love this example. Let's imagine for a moment that you're running a relay race. Like me and you, we're going to do a relay race, and each of us needs to pick one other person who's going to run with us. So we have a choice between, like, my dad or Hussein Bolt. You guys know who Usain Bolt is? Super famous runner. So Usain Bolt is a super famous, like, Olympic runner, extraordinarily fast athlete. So Usain Bolt is, like, one of the fastest runners that basically I can think of. So if you had a choice between, like, an Olympic professional top-of-the-world runner or my dad, who do you want on your relay race team? You're gonna, yeah, you're going to go with Usain Bolt, right? If it was... If it was my dad, probably not. We're throwing even more shade than I was anticipating. But yeah, you'd want Usain Bolt. But let's change the example a little bit. Let's say that you have a choice between Usain Bolt and a quadriplegic, which a quadriplegic is someone who's paralyzed from the neck down. They have no motor function. They can't move. They can't walk. They can't crawl. They can do nothing. 
So if you have a choice between Usain Bolt and the paralyzed guy, which one do you want? For a race. For, yeah, Usain Bolt. You're like, John, this one's also easier. What is with these examples tonight? Let's change it a little bit more. Let's say that you are the quadriplegic. Let's say that you are the person who's paralyzed. Does it matter who's on your team? Let's say that Usain Bolt runs half the race and you're a quadriplegic. Can you run the other half? Well, okay, maybe that's not fair. What if Usain Bolt runs 75% of the race and you only have to run a quarter? Can you finish? What if Usain Bolt runs all but five feet? Can you finish the race if you're paralyzed? So here's, he can throw you. You have to run it on your own. But here's the thing. Is that quadriplegic contributing anything to the race? Unless Usain Bolt runs the entire relay race, can the quadriplegic even finish? And yet, that's how people think of our salvation. They're like, well, maybe God had to save you, but I have to work to maintain my salvation. And that's like Jesus running like 75% of the way for your race of salvation, and then you have to run the rest. But the issue is, you're a quadriplegic. You can contribute nothing to your salvation. You have nothing to contribute, and Jesus has to run all of it. So if Jesus isn't enough, then you have nothing. In Galatians 3, Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit, salvation, by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And he's saying, if you think that you're earning any portion of your salvation, if you think that you're earning or keeping your salvation, you're an idiot. And I mean, that sounds kind of offensive. That's why I'm not saying that. I would never say that. God is saying that. God is saying that if you think you're earning salvation, you're an idiot. And also, if you think that you're earning your salvation, you're not a Christian. So if you are a Christian, you need to understand that you're contributing nothing to your salvation. Jesus gives you all of it. Which actually, that's kind of an exciting thing. Like, that's a bit of a knock to my pride. But it means that when I wake up in the morning and I'm a loser, it means that when I go week after week and I commit the same sins over and over and over, when it means that I'm not strong enough to be the kind of person that I know I should be, it's a reminder that Jesus paid it for me. I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to wake up every morning thinking about how I'm going to earn my salvation. I don't have to wake up every morning thinking about how I'm going to keep my salvation. Jesus has got it covered. And boy, am I grateful about that. Because there are some pretty high stakes if he doesn't. But it's not just that Jesus is enough. It's not just that Jesus alone is enough to get you into heaven. It's that Jesus is needed. It's that there is no other option. If you have someone who isn't a Christian, like we have a lot of people who talk about how like heaven is like a bike wheel. All the spokes lead towards the center. You know, many roads to Rome, many roads to heaven. As long as you have faith in something, you'll go to heaven. You know, that's good enough. Like there's a lot of people that you hear that will say things like that and they're wrong. And if you're a quote Christian and you believe that Christianity is not the only way, you're not a Christian. But also it's important for us to understand there are not many roads to heaven. We need to be sharing the gospel with people that think they're okay and aren't. When you come across someone who's not a Christian, but they think that they're fine, they're going to heaven, you need to have an understanding that they're not fine, they're not going to heaven. Because if you meet someone who isn't going to heaven and you think to, themse to yourself, they've got a religion, they're fine, 
and you don't share the gospel with them, you have deprived them of their opportunity to be saved. And you need to have a sense of urgency. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is exclusive. Jesus says that he's exclusive. And if you don't think that Jesus is exclusive, you are not a Christian. For example, let's imagine another fun story. Let's say I go to a car dealership and I want to get a Ferrari. Does anyone know off the top of their head how expensive Ferraris are? Like two million. So I checked before I came out here. Uh, a Ferrari ranges in like two hundred thousand dollars to like six hundred thousand dollars, which is still a whole lot of money. I have never seen two hundred thousand dollars in my life, which is not that impressive. But like two hundred thousand dollars to six hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money. So let's just say for a moment that I walk into the Ferrari dealership with my flip-flops and crappy beard, and I go up to the dealer and I say, Ayo, Ayo, I want to walk away with a Ferrari today. And he's like, cool, let's get you one. And I walk up to the most expensive Ferrari on the lot, and I'm just like, that one's got my name on it. I'm getting that one. So he's like, okay, let's do it. You want to negotiate price? And I'm like, nah, I got enough money. So we go into the dealership office, he writes up the paperwork, and he's like, how will you be paying for that? And I'm going to be like, I'm going to pay for all of it in cash. And he's going to be like, you're going to pay for all of it in cash? And I'm going to be like, yeah. I'm going to pay for all of it in cash. And he's like, okay, do you have it with you? And I'm like, in fact, I do. And I pull out a briefcase, and I open it up, and inside is Monopoly money. I immediately got laughter. So what's the dealer going to do? He's going to be like, is that actually what you want to pay for it with? And I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm going to pay for it with. If you count it, you will find $600,000 of Monopoly money. Is the dealer going to give me the car? No. No, he is not. Why? Why is the dealer not going to let me pay him Monopoly money? Yeah. Because it's not real money. That's exactly correct. And the issue is, that's what religion is. 100% of religion is monopoly money. All of it. Every single person who has religion and doesn't have Jesus has nothing. Because when you stand before God, you're going to have to offer him payment for your sin. And either you're going to give him real money, i.e. Jesus, and his sacrifice for your sin, or you're going to pay for it yourself. And we learned last week exactly what that looks like. It's an eternity of pain and suffering just to make up for the sin that you gave, and it will never end. So every single person who has a religion that isn't Jesus has nothing to pay with. They're going to show up to God, and he's going to demand payment, and they're going to have nothing but a monopoly money. And so the important thing is that we have to understand that Jesus is needed. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. So the thing you need to understand about Jesus is that there is no other way. If you take Jesus, then he is everything you need. You don't need to make up for any of it yourself. But you need to understand who Jesus is. Jesus is God. Jesus is a man. Jesus is someone who came, who lived a perfect life, and who died so that you didn't have to. And that's the gospel. Like, in the shortest terms, that is the gospel. You have a problem. 
Jesus is the solution. But it has to be the right Jesus. Because a nine-foot-tall purple dinosaur that breathes fire and has an addiction to pickles is not going to get you into heaven. And neither is Allah, neither is the Virgin Mary, neither is anyone who thinks that they are doing anything to earn their way into heaven. And so that's important for us to know. Because what's our job as Christians on this earth? What are we doing? We're missionaries. We're sharing the gospel. That's right. And if you don't know the gospel, can you share it? No. And if you don't have the gospel, do you need it? Yes. And everyone around you needs it. So you need to be able to identify who needs the gospel and what is the gospel. Because the gospel is Jesus. And in any framework that you try to put it in, in any way that you try to share it, if you share the gospel without Jesus, it's not the gospel. But with that in mind, let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and we'll do some small groups. Lord, thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. And Jesus, thank you that you came. Father, there is no way that we could have paid for our sin. There is nothing that we could have done to escape it. Every single one of us has a problem that we cannot deal with. But Lord, you sent your son to live a perfect life, to suffer the payment that we were meant to suffer, and to give us an opportunity to go to heaven. Lord, there is a narrow gate, but there is a gate, and you did not have to give that to us. And I pray that we would enter by it. I pray for that for the people who aren't Christians in this room or elsewhere, that they would recognize the gift that Jesus is, and they would accept that. That they would see their need, and that they would accept Jesus. Lord, I pray that for the Christians in this room, that we would be grateful for what Jesus has done, because Jesus has saved us from something major. And Lord, also that we would see the need of people in our lives for Jesus and for the gospel, and that we would share the gospel with them. Not as an empty religion where you show up to church on Sundays and then you're good, but as a relationship with Jesus Christ and with you. Lord, I pray these things in the name of our King Jesus Christ, who has saved us and who is our Savior, our friend, and our King. Amen.